This is Euroballs in partnership with Ladbrokes, our Euro 2020 show here on Balls.ie. I'm Mick McCarthy, delighted to be joined once again by Kevin Doyle today. As we enter the last week of the Euros, Kevin, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's only three games left, unbelievably. I can't, like, the weekend, it's it's funny, you had the games on Friday and Saturday and it just, it already feels like the tournament is, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's almost out of mind a little bit until all of a sudden now we start to think about it again. And it's like, hold on, tomorrow night we've got Italy and Spain in one semi-final, England and Denmark, the two stories of the tournament in many ways, at least from our point of view, are meeting on Wednesday night. And it's, it's like, it is actually an intriguing and exciting final week, isn't it? It is, yeah. But you go a couple of days without it and you do switch off and forget about it. Um, it's been really good though it's been class every game I, you know I usually get more into a tournament as it goes on but I've been sort of intrigued by this from day one um, the group stages are usually pretty boring especially you think it were World Cups and you're just like hoping for them to be over but these were all class storylines everywhere um, and now two really good semi-finals um, and all the teams deserve to be in the semi-finals they've all they've all like Denmark you know the more you see them, the more you realise they're a really good team with really good players and not just there on fighting spirit, they're there on talent and um, in class watching them. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And we'll talk about them in a minute. I, I wonder, did you feel, like, there was a point during the Italy and Belgium game, I think, was it even the first, maybe it was early in the second half, where I got that kind of old feeling of, like, a genuine, like, kind of, like, excitement. It wasn't even a moment. It was just, like, it was just a kind of a, Jesus, this is so good. You know, that sort of, and it's like a real old, like being a kid in football again, where there was just, it had built up where like 10 things had happened over the course of like 10 minutes. And it was just like, I just got really excited. And it's like, God, if you can remember three moments like that in a tournament, looking back all the years. And I feel like you're right. This tournament has given us loads of them. Yeah. And I'm, unfortunately, I have to admit, I was, I did the game before for TV. Mm. I was driving back to Wexford, so I didn't get to watch second Italy game and everyone's telling me how class they were and I've just seen highlights of it and you know they're everyone's favourites now I, I and, and the highlights I saw was all just like an Italy lads rolling around and pretending to be injured <laughs> <laughs> the goals were good obviously but I just see lads on the floor um, so uh, yeah I can't I suppose go into too much detail on that match in particular only on the goals and then the few highlights yeah, yeah, it's a bit. One thing though that does come out of it, as we suppose, as we start to look ahead to this weekend and or to not this tomorrow and uh, the semi final is like Spinazzola having another one of those games that like he's become this sort of household name now, a great name to start off with, but also a great footballer. We're gonna we're gonna be talking about Spinazzola for a long time when we look back at this tournament, and then the hamstring goes or whatever. I was it even yeah. Hamstring? actually, yeah, and it's just like he's been. It was an unbelievably dramatic uh, taking off where he's literally like strapped into the to the stretcher and it took about five minutes. But what a sad, like what a blow to the tournament in many ways. So you had this kind of when you do have a star of the tournament, it becomes the yeah. one that we all remember it by. And then they go out like that, and we're not going to see him for the last two games if Italy do make the final. I know. I, I, I'm pretty sure I saw pictures of him um, hugging everyone and leaving the squad. Um, yeah, yeah. Yesterday he's gone from the tournament, and that's just it. That's the way the tournaments go, you know. Players and they're forgotten about so quickly. And and Italy play this game now, and if they win the semi, if they win the semi final, be in the final, and he'll be old news. It'll feel like it was two months ago when he was playing, yeah. um, you know. And the squad will move on, the players will move on, and and, and that's just it. And it's uh, that's what tournaments for. That's why you have you know, bigger squads as well. But yeah, 
you know, it's like the group stages to feel like months ago already. You've forgotten the stories and the teams that were in the tournament, the teams that added to it. Now it's all about just who's left. Um, and, it, you know, like like Ronaldo in the in the final three years ago, four years ago, whenever the bloody last year was, was yeah. um, five years ago. Five, um, yeah. um, you know, you forget he didn't play in the final, you know, and, and or he got injured in the final, came off, and um, the teams go on, and the the you have to be a good squad to win it. You know, you're not relying on one player. And Italy before the tournament, speaking of Italy, you, you would have gone through their team and go, you know that they probably, you know, looking for work. Obviously, Cellini over the years have been world class in their half, but you think they've not got the out and out strongest squad. And now they get to a semi final, you watch them play, and you realize, tell you what, every one of those players. Had, you know, getting most teams in Europe, but you wouldn't have thought that before the tournament. You'd probably just sort of glance over their squad and not think, nah, maybe yeah. not as strong as some of the others. Absolutely, yeah. Like, I mean, there's 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 names that have become household names. We said that they've uh, really shone in this tournament, and while they've been stars from day one, and I've been very down on Spain. We've had a conversation. Yeah. Like, you've been you've been a lot more balchy on them than I have. And here they are in a semi-final. And like you have to say at this stage, you're proved right. And you have to say at this point, from Luis Enrique's point of view, it's like, you know, he made a few balty decisions in the build-up yeah. of the tournament. And he looked like a man under pressure in the group stages. And now they're going into semi-final kind of with nothing to lose, really. Yeah, they've got as far now, I suppose, as they were sort of expected, or maybe further than as some people expected. Um, made a big decision with Ramos beforehand, didn't wait on him to get fit, and just reading between the lines, it was, you know, I think he felt Ramos was was too much of a big character or big personality, sort of boss-like figure around the place, and he, he didn't want that. He wanted, you know, he wanted to be the man in charge, and he was the one making decisions. And their squad... Lots of young players in there. Um, you know, it's, it is a changeover, I suppose, uh, to us anyway. Not the strongest French squ- or Spanish squad that we've had in in recent tournaments, but they actually have. You know, you keep. You know, I'm surprised going looking at their history in recent tournaments. They haven't been that strong. They've been really good in this one. I know the first game they drew with Sweden, but you know, I'm not. I, I don't read too much into stats, especially possession stats. I'm always like, well, possession means nothing. Um, it's a help, but. And you, you always know front or Spain are going to have more possession. But as in chances on goal, attacks on goal, in comparison to every team and every game they've played, they've been, you know, light years ahead. Um, it's been, you know, like just uh, I, I was doing their two or three of their games and just reading off their stats after every game, like it was 17 attempts on goal to three, 16 attempts to four. Every game they were having meaningful attacks, meaningful efforts on goal and and apart from the first game where they couldn't convert them they you know there were top scorers in the tournament coming into the into the quarterfinals they didn't play well in the actual quarterfinals it's the worst i've seen them play but um they went through on penalties obviously and um in the semi-final now and you would not write them off beating um having a chance to beat italy um not a really good really good attacking team defensively maybe not quite as strong but they create chances um so again, a lot of talk about them taking their chances more so than creating them. Um, they misfire, misfiring on penalties, but uh, they uh, no, they've they're in a good position and playing well. And the manager, I, I like him. I don't know. He, he yeah. gives me he he's a likable type of person. I think hearing him being interviewed and seeing him on the touchline, and I think the players are playing for him as well, which obviously is very important. Definitely, yeah. He's kind of grown as a character of the tournament in his own way as well. Like you know, obviously famous beforehand and so on and so forth, yeah. but. Um, yeah, it was a great penalty shootout, I thought. It was just one of those. So, you know, it's like that's what you kind of want, the penalty shootout, ups and downs and thinking that it's yeah. gone and so on and so forth. But 
yeah, yeah, God, what, like a great tournament for Switzerland as well. But if you were to call this one then, again, it's sort of Italy cruising their way through. But again, you, yeah, I just yeah. feel like you've had a feeling for Spain the whole way yeah, through. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with Spain. I know, listen, I know how good Italy have been. I didn't get to see, as I said, I was driving home from doing the Spain game. I didn't get to see the game live. So I suppose that's why I'm not as strong on Italy. I'm not swear everyone who's seen them live in that game, you know, just grew. I know everyone, I've seen them play live in the tournament already and they're fantastic. But every, their admiration for a lot of people's admiration grew even more after the quarterfinal. But I'm just going to stick with Spain. I covered them, I think, three times in the tournament. And um, they were. The worst they've played is the quarterfinal, which would be a worry. But then they had a tough, you know, went to extra time again. They had extra time, they had 120 minutes um, three days earlier. So I'd give them the benefit of the doubt and and imagine that they'd be fresh enough against Italy now. Um, be close one. Um, but defensively, they're so strong and organised. They're really good attacking. But Spain, um, I just think they might be able to break Italy down. Yeah. They're just... I'd worry about Ped, is it Pedri? He's 18, he's played every minute pretty much, and he played 50 something games for Barcelona. He was really good, he was quiet in the quarterfinal. And where is he like some miles on a little young lad? He's not the biggest fella on his clock over the course of the season. Um, just you know, this time last year, he was um trying to keep a last Palmas up playing in a relegation battle, second division game in Spain as a 17 year old. And a year later, he's in the European semi-finals after playing 50-something games for Barcelona. It's an awful lot of stuff that's gone on for a young fella who's so important to them um, and was quiet the other night. So, um, you know, he key biscuits poured the other night. He needs to step up in this game again. He's been really good in the tournament. He was poured the other night. He missed the first couple of games, obviously, but he was really good when he came back in the team and was quiet the other night. So um, they need those players to be really at it if they're to win it. Okay, well, that's it's a, it's a, pre, a repeat of the Euro twenty twelve final. I think mm -hmm. after you played both teams in the in the group stages, and uh, there was definitely there anyway. But yeah, like I mean, I, I feel like everybody felt that Italy weren't a fair match for Spain, and that you know the the way it worked out was they played them in the final. It's a, it's yeah. almost a role reversal for this semi final. So I'll be interested to see how it goes, but. Without being in any way disrespectful to them, and I do, there's people there who just want to see this Italy team and won't care about the the ins and outs of the other match. But for most of us, the intrigue really lies in Denmark and England. You know, there's yeah. a there's a growing fear slash acceptance slash whatever the case may be that this is England's year, and you know, Ukraine not up to much. We know that we you know we've had discussions about that on the show. You guys have had discussions yeah. about it in the RT studio, but England went and did what they hadn't done in the rest of the yeah. tournament and just put them to bed and played very, very well. But Denmark are still here, you know, and we talked about possible destiny and all this kind of nonsense. Mm -hmm. I don't know whether people believe it. They have a lot of miles on the clock in this tournament now and a lot of injuries and so on and so forth, but they're still there and still look pretty good. It's going to be like, it's definitely not a guarantee that England are going to win this game. No, I think... Destiny, speaking of destiny and all that, I think who wins this game wins the tournament. I think if Denmark... How manage somehow to beat England? They'll win it. Um, just the way it's gone, you know. It's it's it. It's just. It seems like they've just got better and better. They've been fantastic to watch. I've loved watching them. England, in fairness, I really like the way Gareth Southgate adapted. Like against Ukraine, he didn't need to be as defensively minded, and he wasn't. He changed the, the way they played a little bit and gave Sancho a run out. He wasn't fantastic, but got him on the pitch and like was willing to make you know, be a bit more attack-minded and because um, of the game that was in it. 
interesting to see what he does with this one now. Um, I'd imagine he'll be back to the way he was in the first few games. Harry Kane scoring again, scoring two goals again. You just knew he got that first goal in the in the last sixteen against Germany that he'd um, that would set him up and he'd get going again. And he did. You know, he's coming into form for them at the semi final stage. Um, sorry to disappoint, maybe uh, the Irish crowd that are watching <laughs> you'd have to I, I i you'd have to go with england wouldn't you just you as you said denmark have a lot of water under the bridge in this tournament so far um they've been so good though and they keep stepping up and keep surprising i suppose and keep performing again um that yeah as i said who wins this for me wins the tournament mm, wow okay that's a big one the one thing you mentioned Sancho coming in, and uh, I was thinking about this. It was like we're all calling for, oh, where's Jaden Sancho? So, okay, that's the clue what he's doing. And then when he plays him, there's another part to me that another part of my brain's going, it's like, why are you playing your fourth right winger in five games? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. And you're thinking, like, like if you think Saka's the man, play Saka. If you think it's Foden, play Foden. It's like he is chopping and changing a lot in a way and maybe that's just a use of your squad but the fact yeah. that it seems to be always in the same position you know Sterling's in you know Kane in and it's like the last thing you want the manager to be doing if you're an England fan is trying to keep everybody happy because that's just a sign of a, a weak manager in a way you know like maybe that's maybe that's unfair but there was definitely a part of me was thinking like it's like why are you throwing a new guy in in the quarterfinal it was a strange one for he couldn't get on the bench like in the first game or two yeah um, interesting that was you know really surprising to me and then i was thinking did he know that the man united transfer thing was going on and he wasn't happy with that and then once that was confirmed the other day that he said i'll play him now or whatever i don't know you know mm-hmm. um, maybe that was in the back of his mind um you know speaking to Didi Amanda about it, he was saying he couldn't believe Sancho wasn't playing all tournament, how good he had, the season he'd had in Germany. Um, but like they've got obviously good competition, but you're right, good competition for that position. But how yeah, how does he come in at the quarterfinal stage? Um, you know, I can only I can only assume it was that transfer that he knew that was going on behind the scenes, Gareth Southgate probably wasn't delighted about it, and once that was out of the way, he felt he could maybe trust him to play him then. Um, yeah. So know, what we're, all, we're, we're scratch, we're we're Scrabbling around here trying to think of reason, you know, as good a reason as any, because um, otherwise, why wouldn't he have played him or had yeah. him? Exactly, yeah. Uh, who knows? What would he, what do you think he's going to do Wednesday and just throw in Rashford all of a sudden? As the back was a three from last year, yeah. I don't, uh, that uh, you know, we're questioning Southgate, but it's also a reason I like him because he does, he doesn't go with. I think we talked about this. He doesn't go with the general public mood in England or the, what the press want or what we always felt previous managers have done just to try to keep everyone happy. He goes with what he sees as the right thing and um, for whatever reason, whatever stats he has behind the scenes, whatever details he has. So that's why I, I like Gareth Southgate and why, it could, why I think it could be different this time for England. But um, yeah, you can't predict. His, you can predict his two centre midfielders more than likely. Um, Although you could start, you could say start Jordan. I don't know, actually. Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, well, I'd imagine that you know the two midfielders, say them, the two center halves, the same as the goalie and all. But other than that, it's he could surprise us. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, I suppose the bigger question, rather than who plays, is does he revert? Was the five at the back a Germany-specific decision, yeah. or you know, like now you say right? we can beat Denmark. Like, if you're England, yeah. you're thinking, we can beat Denmark, we can go out and we can attack them and play. Maybe you play with Phillips and Rice, absolutely, but 
four at the back, you get Shaw and Walker as it's probably going to be mm-hmm. forward as much as possible and go out and win the game. If I would be very worried if I was an England fan, if I see five at the back and a, a sense of we're afraid to go out and take this for ourselves, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, like I was surprised he changed it for Germany, but it turned out obviously to be the right decision. Yeah. Um, you know, there's managers who go with their system and their belief, and they 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 hope other teams change for them, and they're not changing for anyone. And Gareth Southgate doesn't play like that. He, you know, more than likely matches up. I can see why you match up with a three at the back, though. It is hard playing against a three at the back from an attacking uh, or from a defending point of view. So I can see why he might match up. Um, from a attacking point of view, though, you'd fancy them against three at the back. Denmark, you know, it was the watch them against Belgium in the second half when they got run when when they had people pulling centre halves out of the way like Lukaku springs to mind twice pull the centre half out of the way and they get dragged out of position and then once he's able to turn and pass it the centre half the centre centre half out of three is totally out of the game and it leaves a big massive hole and Belgium managed to exploit it against them so it's it's a tough one defensively it'll be the same for England but it, you know I'd fancy him against Denmark with their three to back I don't think it matters England whether they match up or not I think they have enough in all the positions but um like before the germany game i would have said yeah they shouldn't match up but after seeing how they did it against germany and it was no it didn't seem like any problem to them mm. you know, obviously well versed in it and they know how they know how to do it uh, it's not not it's not something new to them so they'd have confidence as well knowing we did it against germany and it was absolutely fine and um you know so i suppose i wouldn't i wouldn't now be if i was an england fan be as worried if we did change it um yeah and I could see why he would, because it it you know negates a lot of the advantages of three five two if you just match up against them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it gives a kind of a, a, a lease of life to Harry Maguire as well. I find that like, it was he he was a different player almost in a way against uh, and obviously Walker on the other side of him can do the same yeah. as well. So there's there's definitely uh, there's definitely pluses and minuses to every decision that they make. Um, so you're going for England Spain final then if you were going to your head. Oh, you go to head, yeah, England. Um, and as I go and say, whoever does win it, I think he'll win the competition. Wow. Okay. There. So, uh, in England, uh, win for the competition is Kevin's uh, prediction. He doesn't want to say it quite exactly that way. Oh, but if, no. If, if, you all, if you put all the pieces together, that's ultimately Kevin Doyle's <laughs> predicted England win. They end 55 years of hurt and uh, so on and so forth. Wembley, it's coming home. <laughs> well, my son, my son was born in England, and he's got an English birth So he thinks he thinks he can he can't lose. He's like, yeah, if Ireland don't win, well, I've got England, and uh, he's, he's cheering all the way and trying to explain to him that he's got an Irish passport and he's living in Ireland now. But uh, he's going on the he's going on the English bandwagon. There you go. Well, look, the, the nationality is a complicated thing. He can support whoever he wants. <laughs> it is a, it is not much you can do. Uh, once, well, look, I mean, he can support whoever he wants, but look, if he if he does turn out to be, uh, you know, a chip off the old block, just make sure that he... <laughs> sure to, the FBI are on to him nice and early. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to explain to him, we got two Irish lads playing for England. Uh, you, you can support them too. <laughs> Kev, we'll chat you ahead of the final, where all this will become a lot more real. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll be joking next week. <laughs> We'll chat to you, I think, on Thursday. But thanks very much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Cheers, mate.
Thanks a million to Kevin. We'll be back, as I said, uh, lots this week as we look ahead to the, uh, the the culmination of an amazing and brilliant Euro 2020. Thanks a million to Ladbrokes, as always. If you are having a bet on the Euros or anything else, please always gamble responsibly. Visit dunlewy.net for more information. Check out ladbrokes.com after 10 a.m. on match days for great offers such as free five-a-side bets and other such things. So thanks a million for joining us. We'll talk to you soon.